0: Hello, Justice League Nation. Welcome back to another episode of Justice League Wrapped. I am your host, Rob Foster, and I've got a very special episode for you today. I'm going to break down the matchups that were in Week 11, and we will hear from General Manager of the Kami Nazis, Mr. Jordan Chesson. Our first matchup features the recent trade partners San Jose Clarks and the Kami Nazis. This week, the Clarks topped the Nazis 9-5. The matchup itself was very close Clark edging out assists by only one And uh, winning goalie wins by only one as well Being very thankful for a Mr. Peter Morazic Returning to the lineup for the Carolina Hurricanes To put a put up a shutout in his first game back Clark had 18 goals this week Which was tops in the league The goals piled in, not really by committee uh, But Braden Point and Artemi Panarin Posting three each helped to bump up that total both managers were active on the wire this week. Clark picking up Jesse Pujarvi, Christian Dvorak, Miro Heiskanen, Martin Jones, and Alex Wenberg. The Kamikazes were looking for help in net this week, grabbing Brian Elliott, Carter Hart, and Aiden Hill, as well as adding Andre Burakovsky and Michael Grandland for some support up front. Justice League members will recall the recent trade going down that sent Panarin to the San Jose Clarks in exchange for Ovechkin and Gallagher who went to the Kami Nazis. For those keeping score at home, Ovechkin and Gallagher totaled for 8 points this week while Panarin only got a measly 7 himself. For those of you still undecided as to who won that trade, do with that information what you will. Jordy, you were able to find some decent goaltending throughout the week for a respectable save percentage, but... Uh, that one nothing Mrazek shutout win really helped uh, put Clark over the top. Our next matchup is a good old-fashioned
1: grudge
0: match between Oats and Hall and Hall and Oates. In this matchup, Josh ends up beating Molly 8-6. In terms of the waiver wire, Josh grabbed Mario Ferrero, Ryan Graves, Matthias Eckholm, and Frank Vetrano. Molly, oddly enough, did not make any moves this week. It was it was especially odd as she only lost by four shots on net, and had a roster spot available on Sunday while she had TJ Oshi on the bench. I bet she regrets waiting until Monday morning to drop Ryan Pollock, especially because Pollock didn't play on Sunday. Molly is surely thankful for the shutout victory for Chris Drager and the Panthers on Sunday, turning uh, shutouts and save percentage in Molly's favor. Josh had his goons out this week, uh, totaling for 102 hits, tied with tops in the league with the Silly Rascals. Hull and Oates' top performer this week was Carter Verhage, whose two goals, three assists, and 12 shots helped propel Josh and Hull and Oates to victory. Mario Ferrero's seven blocks were also clutch as you squeezed out a W in that category by only four. Congratulations on the win, Josh. Another week on the couch, though, has got to hurt the back. Our next matchup features Sean and the Silly Rascals topping Melissa and her Monstars 10-3. This was a pretty decisive victory in most of the categories, although there was a tie in plus-minus. Both of these teams seemed to struggle to find goal scoring this week, Sean winning this category 8-6. There were plenty of everything else in this matchup, though. Both managers were active on the waiver wire this week, both reaching for goaltenders at one point as well. Sean had grabbed Michael Backlund, Joel Erickson-Eck twice, Casey DeSmith in net, as well as Calvin Peterson in net. For goalies, Melissa grabbed Alex Nelajokovic and Jake Allen, uh, as well as grabbing forward Sam Reinhart, Lawson Cruz, and Brock Nelson. The scouting report identified the crease as going to be a key battleground between these two teams this week. A 41-save shutout from UC Saros sealed the deal for Sean, allowing him to sweep the goaltending categories. As mentioned earlier, the Silly Rascals tied for tops in the league in hits with 102, with 23 of these hits coming from Radko Gudis himself. Tough break this week, Melissa. Hopefully, Tuka Rask returns quickly for you now that he's skating and traveling with the Bruins. Our next matchup features the Uncle Vaxers taking on the Hot Wings. The end result, Catherwood beating Chester 8-6. to six. This was a very tight match uh, featuring some huge totals. This match was so tight, in fact, that blocks 8-6 uh, and blocks was won by only one uh, in Catherwood's favor. So a couple of stat corrections away from a win here, Chester. Chester and the Hot Wings posted the most shots on net this week with 165, as well as the most saves with 306. Catherwood's Uncle Vaxers had the most assists by far league-wide with 37, as well as the hottest power play in the league, racking up 16 points this week. The Colorado trio of Landonsgog, Makar, and Jonas Donstoy did most of the offensive heavy lifting, while the fourth Musketeer Avalanche... Devin Taves provided six essential blocks for the Uncle Vaxers. Both managers were active on the wire this week. Cathwood's Uncle Vaxers grabbing Nick Felino, Phil The Thrill Kessel, Jakob Voracek, and more of a long-term uh, hold with Alexander Radulov. The Hot Wings had grabbed Andrew Kopp, Alex Tuck, Anthony Stolarz, um, Jake Osninger, and on Sunday... Alex Galagoski. Chester, I can't believe your boy Galagoski let you down in the blocks department. Um, I thought it was a good move nonetheless to grab him on Sunday to try to turn that category, but he posted a zero in the blocks category for you, which is uh, surprising and uncharacteristic of him. Really bad luck on your part. You did get a lot of offensive production this week out of Nathan McKinnon, who put up three goals, four assists, and 21 shots on net. Congratulations on the win this week, Catherwood, as you aim to climb in the standings even higher. Our fifth matchup was between me and my manatees and Christian and the Job Squad. This one resulted in a pretty one sided victory for me, uh, defeating the Job Squad 12 3. This matchup actually looked a lot worse than 12 3 heading into Sunday, uh, but Christian got a monster performance. Out of Jacob Shikrin, who posted a hat trick including a game-winning goal which helped turn goals in your favor as well as game-winning goals. So congratulations on that one there, Christian. You also made a great grab on Sunday in picking up Michael Hutchinson of the Toronto Maple Leafs, who allowed you to pick up a win and turn the win categories in your favor, and you nearly had me in save percentage. Um, I edged you out. I had 9.28. Eight, and you had 926. Besides Hutchinson, you had also grabbed Eric Carlson, Valerie Nishkinin, and Alex. You also had a turn with Alex Nedjokovic, whose name I'm completely butchering, but I imagine, you know, it sounds similar to Djokovic, who was the league bicycle this week playing for several teams. I also made a few moves on the waiver wire this week. I grabbed Linus Allmark of the Buffalo Savers, who was a bit of a risky maneuver picking up a Buffalo goaltender, but he turned in a kind of pretty okay start. Didn't get the win, but didn't blow up my save percentage. Kirby Doc of the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, Alex Iafalo in L.A. Uh, I was kind of dealing with a Chandler Stevenson... Suspension, um, while also having some goaltenders coming off the IR and IR+. It was kind of a messy situation that I kind of had to wait to resolve before making any definitive moves. So that's the breakdown for the matchups that went down here in Week 11. With that, I will now toss to an interview that I was happy to conduct with General Manager of the Kaminatis, Mr. Jordan Chasson. Ladies and gentlemen, the general manager of the Kami Nazis, the man, the legend, Jordy Chesson. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Rob, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Jordy, I'm going to cut straight to the chase. You've recently been involved in a blockbuster trade with the San Jose Clarks for the second time. You're giving away next year's eighth overall pick in exchange for Tyson Berry. The move also has you dropping uh josh morrissey now was this a trade that you had kind of cooked up and offered up to clark or did clark offer it up to you
1: this was offered up to me um much like a couple of the deals i've had this year uh alan clark has been quite active on the trading market looks like the san jose clarks have uh their eye on next year a little bit as any good franchisee would. So he's trying to load up on some picks and he's made some juicy offers and we've, uh, we've had to fine tune the deals a little bit, but uh, we found a dance partner a couple times. It's been pretty good.
0: Oh, well, uh, yeah, you've obviously benefited from the, uh, the trade so far uh, with Panera in there. Wasn't really doing much for you. Um, you know, being away from the team, it's sort of, from an outsider, it looks like you kind of got something for nothing. Um, even if he's, you know, doing pretty well. What uh, now that he's back with the Rangers.
1: Yeah. I feel like um, Ovechkin was maybe underperforming a little bit earlier this year. And uh, Allen's the type of GM that demands uh, results. So we knew he's pretty hard on the boys over on the San Jose Clarks and they have the results that uh, justify that type of uh, approach. So Seeing that uh, Ovi maybe wasn't quite happy with the Clarks and they were looking for a change of scenery. Uh, Bred being a guy who, you know, with all this shady Russian business going on, who knows when he was coming back to the lineup. It was getting quite frustrating to see him flip from out to day-to-day constantly. And uh, I just got a little bit of uh, notification fatigue. And when the opportunity uh, proposed itself, uh, it uh, it made sense at the time. So we pulled the trigger.
0: Well, congratulations on uh, on doing it. it. I I gotta say, it's probably yeah. There's a no doubter win on on your side here uh, for that one. Um, with this trade in particular, you said that you there was a little bit of negotiating before finding uh, you know finding a, a match. There was this the the first initial offer, an eighth round pick, or is that something that was settled upon?
1: No. No, there was a little back and forth. So there was, uh, you know, I like to look at the the negotiation process is uh, a little bit of uh, uh, ways and means. And so if you're sometimes you got to get mean or you got to get out of the way is the way I approach it. So Alan came to me and he, I felt he lowballed me a little bit on the uh, well, not lowballed. He was his aspirations were a little high on the picks, and I'm uh, I'm not one to sell the farm, you know. I like I like to have an eye on the future as well as much as I'm in win now mode as I try to be, but you don't want to give up too much. So he had actually come at me with a, a higher pick, and uh, I had pretty well decided that eighth round was about where I wanted to uh, uh, land. Uh, so we did a little back and forth there, and uh, it happened to work out. Maybe a little hardball on my side uh, once or twice, but uh, I think we found uh, a good negotiating point.
0: Well, it certainly seems like a fair price to pay if Barry can continue uh, his rapid production this season. I wanted to ask you a little bit about the role that you wanted Barry to play on your team. Um, What categories were you really looking for him to fill?
1: Well, basically, um, I felt that my defense core had cooled off a little bit recently. I don't put a lot of value on defense um, in general. Uh, I like them as supplemental categories, but anytime you can snag someone who's got a high amount of shots, high amount of assists, uh, somebody who works the power play, um, it makes sense to pull the trigger. So in Morrissey's case, I had noticed a little bit of a decline in his production recently. Uh, Barry coming in, I think gave me somewhere around 10 more assists on the year. So I was expecting an improvement in that category. Uh, a lot of shots coming from Tyson Barry gets the power play time and, uh, yeah, it just, uh, At the end of the day, he's a proven commodity, and I think he slots in well on the back end with Yossi coming back. So we've had a bit of a tough year with Giordano. His his results haven't been where we needed them to be. We tried Subban in the role for a bit. He didn't quite pan out. So there's been a couple big names that have come and gone through the lineup, and I think that uh, Tyson Berry at this point, despite uh, some of the struggles uh, seen in Edmonton, particularly when new players land there. It's a bit of an adjustment. they got a great lineup, but they just can't seem to put it all together at the same time. So I'm just hoping that he keeps some some consistent production all the way through the regular season. And, uh, yeah, it gives me a little bit of uh, a boost in a few categories, hopefully, uh, on top of Mr. Morrissey, who served his role well. But uh, I think, uh, you know, the time had come to move on from that piece.
0: Yeah, uh, just to sort of reiterate on some of what you were talking about there, Jay. Tyson Berry is second place amongst defenders um, in shots on net. Um, he's also right up there with assists, 27 assists on the year. He's one behind um, the lead, Victor Hedman. Um, he's also tied for the lead with another one of your boys, Mr. Adam Fox. So for a guy, for mm-hmm. a guy who doesn't really value the back end, and you know, you've got two top guns, Um, heading into the playoffs right now?
1: Well, you know what? I I think um, part of my strategy this year for my defensive side was, again, I I wanted to focus on shots. I wanted some power play time and assists is a category that I'm pretty strong in week to week. So um, I like to be pragmatic about my approach. You can't win every category every week, but I like to try to ensure that I can get at least seven points out of the deal. And uh, I've had some struggles in net recently. So we've had to play the the, uh, waiver wire quite regularly in order to get those starts in. So let's get the, the, that little piece back. And again, like I said, to have Yossi coming back into his spot in Nashville. But, um, you know, Fox has been a beauty, especially with all the assists he's piled up. And uh, we're hoping that uh, Mr. Barry uh, solidifies those categories going forward uh, and, you know, delivers on some more of these 8-6, uh, 7-5 victories that I think could take me through the playoffs. I, uh, I believe the Kami Nazis right now are a tough out any week apparently except when we play Josh, but uh, every other team we played so far, it's been fairly uh, competitive and we're, we're coming down to one or two categories. So anytime I can take one of those off the table from the team we're playing, it, it definitely helps the situation.
0: Hey, that's a, a pretty good philosophy. And uh, yeah, a little bit of a window into the, uh, the workings of your decision-making out there. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Josh has my number this year as well. He spanked me last week, pretty something really fierce. And like, uh, yeah, like it wasn't even, you know, how sometimes the the score doesn't really reflect how close the matchup is this time. It did. I, every category I lost, it was a landslide. Um, so yeah, I've,
1: yeah, he seemed to, seemed to smoke me, too, in my week. It, it started off bad. I think I was down 13-1 for, from Tuesday right through Sunday. So he's uh, definitely had some strong performances recently. But hopefully I put the, my little missteps behind me heading into the playoffs and we all get it all clicking together at the right time with the new additions. I'd love to see Malkin come back to the lineup. And I'd love to see a, a healthy Frederick Anderson boost uh, my back end there. I don't know if you saw as well. Kuboden has now been put, placed on protocol, protocol for COVID. So my goaltending woes are uh, definitely not improving at the moment, but you know, there, there's been a a good crop of backup tenders with all the COVID protocols and some of the injuries that have been available, slotted in the lineup nicely. So we're going to keep playing that game and hopefully uh, we get everybody back in time for the playoffs and we can make some noise.
0: Just to go back to Tyson Berry now for a moment. What do you think? I know you're a Leafs fan yourself. What, What was the difference this year in Edmonton? Why couldn't he
1: do this in Toronto? You know what? I'm I'm honestly not sure. It might I don't watch enough of Edmonton to to make a, a good educated uh um you know observation on the matter, but I feel like in Toronto is a situation where the roles are fairly well defined on the power play, particularly when we're running a it looks like a, a four forward setup a lot of the time with Matthews coming off the high side. So I think that uh Tyson Berry is more of a quarterback role on the power play solidifying that black uh, that back end and uh being able to work it around to McDavid and Sidal down low. I think there's a little more opportunity for him to have some input there. And I, I you know, I think he Berry might have got off on a wrong foot as a lot of guys did with uh the uh, Babcock situation. I think maybe some more time under Keith could have uh led to Keith himself to discover some of uh the upside on Tyson Barry, but it might just not have been the, quite the right fit for him. And, uh, you know, in a, in a super talented lineup like Toronto has with a lot of guys who uh, could take that quarterback moniker, it's hard to find a place uh, for some high end talent, particularly behind guys like Morgan Riley and that. Um, but Barry, I think he, he's definitely been a great addition to Edmonton and uh, he seems to jive pretty well down there with uh, dry and uh, uh, McDavid. So, I guess it's a good move for his career and uh, they look like they're playoff bound too. So he'll, he should have some fun come the postseason as well. Maybe Toronto might end up seeing him. He could look to maybe take some events. Well, as
0: a Leafs fan, I I'm sure we wouldn't mind running into Edmonton in the, uh, the playoffs there. We seem to have had their number uh, this year. Um, Despite the Leaf success, a lot of haters are are still suggesting that uh, these are the same old Leafs, and they're they're not going to be able to get out of the first round. Um, what do you say to that?
1: Personally, I personally uh, I temper my expectations with the fact that I never or, or never underestimate the Toronto Maple Leafs' abilities to disappoint on a magnificent scale. So uh, I admit enough times by this team to understand that. Anything is possible. However, despite the fact that they're playing the Canadian teams this year, so it is a lot easier to eat everybody's lunch when Tampa and Boston aren't in your division. Uh, they do look like a much more complete team. I think Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner in particular, look amazing. Navarre's um, maybe production-wise could could use a little step up, but I think his two-way play's been great as well. And they just like a, a team that's added the right pieces and whether they add one or two more before the playoffs, will be, but I think they got enough to get out of the first round for sure. And this might be even the year where they, uh, they have a bit of an easy road to at least the conference finals, hopefully if uh, they can keep up their momentum against the Canadian team. So I'm hoping that uh, all things considered, this could be a year of uh, great success down in Toronto. I'm certainly having fun watching them beat up on all of uh, the rest of Canada for the moment, but that doesn't mean that I'm not cognizant of the fact that uh, we got some nasty teams lurking in the, in the wings waiting for us in the deep Yeah, end.
0: you got you to beat the best to be the best. The Leafs are already hoping that they've met some of their needs in acquiring Alex Galchenyuk. What do we think of his game so far?
1: You know what? I, I used to like Galchenyuk a lot. I thought he was a player with a lot of uh, potential um seems like he didn't find the right fit down in montreal and uh i'm wondering if this is an opportunity for a career renaissance clearly the guys in the dressing room have a lot of respect for him they think he's a hard-working guy i've heard a lot lately whether or not they're just buttering up the new guy but they do talk a lot about his work ethic first guy in last guy out type of thing and if that's the type of mentality he has uh, or the type of approach he takes to his professionalism uh, given a new system and a new look, uh, he should be able to find his wings pretty quick. And hes we've seen before, he's capable of putting up close to 30 goals in a season. So whether or not he can get back to that uh, type of um, production in the Maple Leafs lineup remains to be seen. But it's certainly nice to add, uh, you know, proven pieces, uh, whether or not they're, mentally ready to perform to the level they need to uh, would be another story, but I'm hoping that the change of scenery does well for him.
0: Yeah, I, I'm hoping the same. I think he looks pretty good out there. He's yet to find the uh, the back of the net yet for in a Leafs uniform, but he's been right around the net making the most of the shifts that he does get, um, getting a real opportunity on the line there with Johnny T and William
1: well, maybe he can uh, find himself uh, a role in Leafs uh, fandom or the stuff of legends, like our boy Tom Plekanik's did uh, for his brief playoff run, uh, <laughs> having a couple of moments of glory coming over from the Montreal Canadiens. It'd be nice to, to honor him alongside of uh, Plecky there. That's so. right. That's right. Um,
0: well, I just wanted to thank you again for uh, for coming on the podcast today. Um, one last question for you: all the activity that you've been you know, involved in and the, the trading market. Is that it for the Kami Nazis?
1: Well, I never want to say never. Um, I always do have an eye on next year as well. We want to make sure we give ourselves the best, uh, the best, uh, chance possible heading into the redraft next year. It's a clean slate. um, but there is a lot of parity in the league this year. And despite my standing currently, I do think that we're a little bit underrated in terms of when you look at the standings, we might be a a lot tougher out than the number beside our team uh, indicates. So whether or not there's a piece that could come across the table that can put me over the top, I'm always got my uh, ear to the streets and keep my eye on the waiver wire as well. But uh, I'm always happy to make trades. I like to entertain them. I think that, uh, there's a a good equity that can be had between teams and you know, when the right deal comes along, I don't like to say no to it. So if it's something that can improve us uh, without damaging the chemistry of the team currently uh, you know, we'll, we'll take a look, but we are a team that's perennially in win now mode and uh, it's a league full of sharks and we want to we want to make our mark out there. So uh, the only way to do it is to keep active and keep, keep grinding and keep it going until you get that trophy. And uh that's that's the goal of the commie nazis. It's been the goal since we were the commie drips, and we're uh, we're we're ready to go organization wise. We we got a long standing history and legacy in this league, and we want to bring the glory home. Yeah, a lot of us
0: were really expecting uh, a return of the the commie drips for the retro the retro jerseys that came up uh, this year, but uh, a little bit disappointed there. But thanks again, Jordy, for for coming onto the show <laughs> and uh, being a part of the podcast. All the best heading into the playoffs. See you out
1: there. All right. Thanks a lot, Rob. And thanks for the work you do on the podcast. We all appreciate it. And uh, thanks to everybody else in the league. It's been a fun uh, a fun go. It's uh, Things are clicking along well. And uh, we'll see you guys all out on the ice. Uh, keep your heads up out there. We're coming.
0: Thank you for joining us for another episode of Justice League Wrapped. Tune in next week where we'll do it all again.